Yes, Lord, we thank you for your peace. We thank you for your peace in the midst of uncertainty. We thank you that we can come to you and we can always trust you, that you will always lead our ways. And Lord, this morning, we just want to lift up this service and we pray that you would guide, that we understand what your message is for us today, what your word is saying to us today. So we thank you for the truth of your word and we give you praise in Jesus' name, amen. Well, it's good to see people in here today. Welcome, everyone. So today, the message is going to be on the parable of the sower. So if you want to turn in your Bibles to Matthew 13, if you want to follow along, we're going to be speaking this morning. The five of us elders are going to tag team this morning. So let's see, five times 30 minutes. That's, uh, it's going to be a while. <laughs> no, it, uh, it won't take too long. But I'm going to start this morning by reading verse 9, so if you'd like to follow along. Verse 1 says, That same day Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. And great crowds gathered around him, so that he got into a boat and sat down, and the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path. And the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where they did not have much soil. And immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, way. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some 60, some 30. He who has ears, let him hear. So we could probably preach three different sermons on this. We could preach on the sower, or we could preach on the seed, or we could preach on the soil. But today we're going to focus uh, mostly on the soil. So So as you listen to this message this morning, one of the things you see in the, um, that there are different ways that distracted hearts prevent a fruitful life. What is it that might be hindering your relationship with Christ? I want to give you three challenges today. So if you're taking notes and you want to write some things down, number one is going to be read this passage for yourself. Read this maybe this afternoon or this evening or sometime this week. Take some time to study it for yourself. Don't just take the words that we're sharing with you, but take the things we say and and read the word for yourself and and study that. And ask yourself, how does this apply to me? Don't let this mess rocky soil that grows today and then withers tomorrow. Then number two. As you listen, ask yourself, which one of these soils best describes me and how I receive the word of God? And do I have a distracted heart that's preventing me from having a fruitful life? Don't think that just because you're in church this morning, this message is for somebody else. I grew up in the church. I heard hundreds of sermons. I I went to hundreds of Sunday school classes. People spoke hundreds, if not thousands, uh, or sowed hundreds, if not thousands, into my life. But yet, 
I was, uh, um, but most of those seeds fell on, on the path or thorny soils. I was not interested. Some statistics say that people like me who have had a very difficult relationship with their father typically have about a 15% chance of coming to know Christ. But the Lord continued to put people into my field to consistently sow seeds into my life. And when I was a senior in high school, the Lord prepared my heart and some seeds fell on good soil and I, and I received Christ as my savior. So parents, youth leaders, let that be an encouragement to you. Keep sowing. Your work is very significant. Number three, you are a sower. Where you sow seed matters. The sower in this parable sowed seeds in all the soils, not just in the good soil. We should do the same. Sometimes, discouraging, sometimes it's discouraging trying to talk to people about Christ when they are uninterested or reject what you have to say. Try not to be discouraged. Pray that the Lord would prepare them to receive the seed of Christ and that the Lord would protect the seed and cause it to grow. A few weeks ago, I went to a visitation for a friend who died suddenly. He had worked at the same place that I worked for the last 15 years. Several times I tried to talk to him about Christ, but it seems like the birds ate the seed as soon as it hit the ground. I don't know if anything I said or anybody else said challenged him to consider a relationship with Christ or not. I don't even know where he is today. My job is one of the, at my job where I work is one of the fields the Lord has given me to sow in. So where has the Lord called you to sow? I've heard it takes approximately 16 conversations about Christ for someone to accept him as their savior. If that is true, you could be the fifth or the 10th, or you might be the one who would lead someone to Christ, even though others have sown seeds. Pray and ask the Lord where he would like you to sow his seeds this week. Now we're gonna hear about the different types of soils and how distracted hearts prevent us from having a fruitful life. Matt? Well, as Evan said throughout this morning, remember the phrase, distracted hearts prevent a fruitful life. And so you heard Evan read all the verses this morning. I'll just recap the short section, the one sentence that I have, and that's, as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path and the birds came and devoured them. Later in the chapter, Jesus explains this in verse 18 by saying that when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. So I'm not going to lie, my portion of this five-minute, my five-minute portion of the sermon was a little bit difficult for me to formulate because uh, my thought kept coming back to, and, and Jesus explains it a few verses later, exactly what it means. Um, as a, this is like a one-sentence riddle with the, you know, like the kids' books where it's got the answer key down in the bottom right corner, and you, I thought that's what we got. Uh, but the more I read it, the more I thought about it, the more I prayed through it, the Lord spoke to me through these verses. 
See, until I studied it more, until I prayed through it and meditated on it, I didn't understand the depth of its meaning. I had pretty much lived most of my life not fully understanding what this, this, this small verse said. Um, my early struggles with this verse and this preparation for this came from a distracted heart and mind leading to a lack of understanding. I'm the soil way. Distracted hearts prevent a fruitful life. So I'm standing here as a living example, who, as someone who had my thoughts and understanding snatched up by the evil one. My heart is the past sometimes. I fill my life with so many things to do and my mind with so many thoughts and worries that I don't leave time to really ponder God's word. We've got plenty of distractions in our world right now. I don't, don't need to list them. Um, more times than I care to admit, I don't allow God's word to take root in my heart. It lays on the surface of my heart waiting to be snatched up. Without that healthy root system and plant that would come from good soil, I don't produce the fruit God wants me to produce. Distracted hearts prevent a fruitful life. Now, when we're talking about the word understanding in this case, the verse is talking about a moral issue and not an intellectual one. I want to make that clear. This is laziness or apathy as opposed to just an intellectual understanding. Intelligence is not the key to understanding Scripture. You don't need to be a scholar to understand some of the deep truths in Scripture and in God's written word. I've, uh, but I want to stop here just for a second and clarify. There are some things in Scripture that are beyond human understanding, that are faith, faith only, that you're only going to understand them or you may not understand them. You're only going to be able to accept them through faith. Uh, but God still wants us to search out his written word. So I've heard some people say, and I've even used myself, that I'll never understand this or... Uh, I'll leave this to the professionals, or this is too deep for me. Uh, but we're called to seek understanding through the Word of God. And if you earnestly seek that understanding, God will give it to you. I'll say it again, this is not an intelligence issue. This is a spiritual issue. Let's read Ephesians 6.12. I don't have it on the wall, I'm just going to read it for you. Uh, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Don't think for a minute that Satan won't use every advantage to distract you from understanding God's word. This is a spiritual battle. And I'm through some other verses here too, uh, and they'll be on the wall. You can write them down if you'd like. Colossians 1.9, for this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. The Spirit gives that understanding if we seek it. This understanding is not from intelligence. This is God-given through his Spirit if we seek it. Ephesians 1, 8b and 9, with all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ. Ephesians 4, 18, they are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that due to the hardening of their hearts. Colossians 2, 2, my goal is that they be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ. Distracted hearts prevent a fruitful life. God wants, us, wants to give us the understanding that we need to understand his word. He wants us to know him more, and he wants the truth of his word to penetrate our hearts. And Don's going to come up and talk about the rocky soil.
Sacred Hearts Prevent a Fruitful Life. We're going to now look at hearts distracted because lack of lack of a firm root. In verses 5 and 6 of Matthew 13, we learn that the seed sown in rocky places springs up quickly and is withered by the sun because of a lack of a firm root in the shallow soil. Jesus' interpretation of this in verses 20 and 21 is that this is the man who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, but quickly falls away because he has no firm root. The picture here is of something that we do too quickly, superficially, perhaps quickly in a time of emotion. But then in a short time, we move away from it because we haven't really taken the time or made the effort to really make it a part of our lives. We see this, for example, in children who get easily excited about a new toy or a game and then very quickly lose interest in it. And we as adults are prone to this as well when by uh, perhaps clever advertising or a great sale price, we uh, are enticed to purchase something and um, without careful consideration of whether we really need it or not. And often uh, we stop using it or enjoying it in a short time. Spiritually, the same things can happen. For example, the gospel is presented in a group setting um, and there's some emotion there, perhaps because of the speaker, perhaps because of others in the group getting excited. And as a result, an individual feels pressure or excitement and makes a commitment to Jesus Christ, but without really understanding his sin or his real need for a savior. When the emotion subsides and the pressures from friends or others begin, the commitment quickly fades away. As in the parable, no depth of soil is present, firm root to withstand the heat. Or perhaps one hears a presentation of the gospel in a one-on-one -on -one situation and has the urging that perhaps this is what's been missing in his life and makes a commitment at that moment. But then life goes on, and in the busyness of everyday life, the commitment withers and dies. No depth is present, no firm root to resist the pressures or the temptations. So what can we take from this for ourselves? Because Jesus' teachings are true, we know this is going to occur. We know that some people are going to receive the gospel eagerly and with joy, but then it will be only temporarily, temporary because no firm root or foundation exists to sustain it in difficult times. Distraction results and distracted hearts prevent a fruitful life. Can we do anything about this? Let me suggest just two possible ways. The first is in our role as parents and grandparents. And by the way, today is National Grandparents Day if you're interested in that. Uh, children and teens are especially likely to be rocky, perhaps uh, because of young age and lack of complete understanding, as might be the case in younger children, or because of peer pressure and just uh, the busyness and the fun of activities and uh, life, uh, leaving little time for prayer 
and time in the Word, as might be the case more in older children and teens. Parents and grandparents have an important role to play in teaching and guiding these rocky places to be fertile soil. Sunday school teachers and youth leaders can also play a role, but parents have the primary responsibility. The second way we might help is, are you an adult who has just received the gospel by faith, but you're just not sure what it all means or what, where you should go from here? Seek out someone who you observe to be living a godly life. Seek to spend time together and be taught about this Christian life. Or are you a mature believer who has just led someone to the Lord? Or perhaps you know someone who's recently made a commitment to Christ. Seek to mentor that person and work to change the rocky soil into fertile ground. I was visiting last week with Brian asking him how uh, the crew beginning of the year events were going at ISU and Eureka. And as I was listening to his answer, it struck me, and uh, he agreed that college students are often rocky soil. At an outreach event, they may make a commitment or indicate an interest in learning more, but in a short time, many of those will be distracted by friends or by the busyness of studies and activities and will stop coming to the Bible studies or the crew events and will fall away from the gospel. Crew staff has learned from this that trying to build one-on-one relationships with individual students works best to produce a lasting commitment. So in conclusion, is some seed going to fall on rocky soil? Yes. Can we help some of that seed to become fruitful? By God's grace and our helping one another, we can help keep some of those hearts from being distracted and unfruitful. Now Tim's going to talk to us about thorny soil. Good morning. As Don mentioned, I will be talking about the thorny soil. And in Matthew 13, 7, it says, Other seeds fell among us, which grew up and choked the plants. Jesus gives us that explanation later in uh, verse 22, and it says, The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. Continuing with our theme, distracted hearts prevents a fruitful life. When we are worried, anxious, striving for after wealth, we are definitely distracted from a godly viewpoint. Three big worries I think face us today, the direction of our nation. COVID, it's still an unknown. It's a frustrating unknown, and I am very included in that frustration. The economy, the loss of jobs, struggles and stresses with keeping your job, those continuing to lose their job, and those even looking for jobs are all things we face today. Life in general has caused much worry, strife, depression, anxiety, concerns, distractions of self-absorption, self-focus, 
self-pity, being easily offended, are also rampant in this day and age. Last week, Luke described 2020 as a book. Grover saying, don't turn another page. But I, if 2020 was a thorn, believe it would look like this 12-foot monster with over 100 flowers. <clears throat> I think we all can relate, and I know I can, to the feelings of being worried, stressed, and choked with these concerns. And it does not seem to be letting up. What needs to happen for the wait, for the choking to stop? Remembering our theme, distracted heart prevents a fruitful life. We need to remove the thorns in our life so we can hear the word, so we desire the word, so we can become fruitful. There's two topics I would like to touch on this morning. The first being, we need to turn our focus to God. And second, we need to repent of our sins. In Romans 8, 13, it says, Put to death the misdeeds of the body. Mortify sin or kill sin. How can we rid ourselves of these thorns? Have you ever gone out and tried to pull weeds out of crusty soil? It is not an easy task. And typically when you're pulling, it's breaking off at the ground level. You did not get to the root. So as you try to get rid of these weeds that are choking you, you're not going to get very far by yourself. You may have some temporary success in cleaning out the weeds. But again, you did not get to the root. And it will look good for a short time but the weeds will be back. And so will the discouragement and the failure. What can we can be done to remove these weeds? We need to turn our eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of this earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. You see, the thing we must start to do first about weeding our heart is to seek God first. Matthew 6, 33 and 34 says, but seek, his, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough troubles on its own. Troubles come and troubles go. We have big troubles, we have small troubles, and they are going to continue. But praise God, he is constant. He is steady. He is everlasting. And he is eternal. We, when we shift our focus to the eternal the cares of this world become less. They no longer start to keep choking us out. They don't drown us. These troubles lose their bigness. And instead, they become concerns that take their place under the authority of Christ. We can lay our burdens at the feet of Jesus and continue to walk in life and peace. 
Romans 8, 6 says, the mind of a sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the spirit is life and peace. So when we seek God first and we come to him humbly in repentance is what we need to do. We need to repent of the weeds that are choking us, the worry, the discouragement, obsession with perfection, self-reliance, anxiety, depression, worry about money, desires for wealth. Why do we desire wealth when we know it comes with thorns? Instead, desire God and repent to him. When we repent of our sin, our heart changes. Jesus' forgiveness washes over us. Our soil starts to change. As rain washes and gives moisture to the dry, cracked soil, so the blessings of God's grace soothes and nourishes the soil of our heart. Don't waste your time trying to remove before you come to Christ. Come first to Christ as you are, and as he changes you, he will begin removing the weeds, the cares, the worries that are stealing your very breath. I'm not saying that there won't be any work involved. Some weeds are big. Some sin are, will need some hard change. Old sin patterns will need to be broken and replaced. Maybe certain relationships will need to be broken off. Maybe daily accountability will have to be set in motion. Maybe godly counsel will be needed. Maybe remission may be needed. And maybe restitution will need to be made. And the list goes on because sin is deep. But know that when we seek God first, it is his will for you to abide in him and become fruitful. As we, as, as we have mentioned, a distracted heart prevent a fruitful life. But a cleansed heart produces fruit. Brothers and sisters, I know the cares of the world are very, very big today. But the arm of the Lord is never too short. And as I, in Isaiah 1, it says, Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor his ear too dull to hear. I know many of us are struggling in this area. Many of you feel as if you are drowning and barely able to come up for air. Let's walk this road together. I would love to talk to you. Let's walk this road together to a mind controlled by the Spirit of God and a mind of life and peace. Thank you. Now, Bill will come and talk about the good soil. Okay, we're going to start off with a quick review since I wanted to show you what, what is and what isn't, obviously. So let's take a look at the path. Okay, the path hears but doesn't understand. It's the case of going in one ear and out the other, or, as Matt pointed out, is a person who's not necessarily willing to listen. So then there's the rocky soil, and the rocky soil is listening. And it springs up, but the rocky heart hasn't developed a deep enough root 
in Christ has not had that time. We're not taking that time so that the root will sustain it when the sun-scorching hard times come and hard for everyone. The new believer and the old believer. And then there's the weedy soil. And the weedy soil is also listening. But the worries of this life, the pursuits of pleasure and riches choke out seeking the kingdom. Where seeking the kingdom should be the center of our life. And so in all these cases, there's the distraction of things around us. And the distracted heart prevents a fruitful life. So finally, what is the good soil? So let's look at Matthew uh, 13. It says, As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and does it. He indeed bears fruit and yields in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. Now all the soils get to hear the word of the kingdom. But what is needed for the human heart to be catalyzed to change and be fruitful. What is needed? And what is fruitfulness? Well, let's start with the fruits of God's Spirit. When God works in us and helps us change supernaturally and change our character so that our characters now become more loving, joyful, peaceful, patient, kind, good, faithful, gentle, and has self-control. There is in fruitfulness, there's actions of love and actions of kindness. There is also the fruit of worship and devotion to God, where we take our time to praise and worship Him. And there is the fruitfulness of ministry, both personally and that which we do corporately. The parable, fortunately, the parable also gives us, if we can take a look, and you can, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, you can see the same parable, and there's some slight nuances that have been seen by the different disciples. And so in Matthew, the one, it says, the one who hears the word and understands it. That's the good soil. In Mark, it says, the one who hears the word accepts it. And in Luke, it says, those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit. So to sum it up, the heart of the good soil hears the word and understands it and accepts it and holds it fast in an honest and good heart, and it finally bears fruit. So not the very start, the very beginning of how, how things have to happen. First of all, the heart has to be ready to hear. The good soil actually hears. It is searchers. It is trying to understand. It is humble. It is humble enough to know that it does not know all that it needs to know, and so then it seeks. It also is humble enough to know that it is not all that it should be. Is that your heart? Do you have a humble heart? It starts with a humble heart, the good soil. There, there is in that heart self-doubt. There is, a, there is a recognition of regret, the feeling of shame in, in the past over poor decisions. There is a concern for the eternalness of a life wasted. Is that your heart? Or are you too busy and distracted 
to take stock of yourself because if you really take a good look at yourself, you realize you are not all that you should be. I'm not all that I should be. Are you ready to hear, accept, and hold fast in an honest and good heart? The good soil realizes that distracted hearts prevent a fruitful life. And so the good soil is willing to seek the kingdom, willing to humble itself and find action. The good soil seeks to grow in devotion and faithfulness. The good soil is concerned for the spiritual welfare of others. It is looking to where God is moving and doing ministry, and that's where it goes. It is praying for God to grow it and to show it what to be doing right now, not just what happened years ago. The good soil is humbly taking stock of itself, and when it finds itself wallowing in self-pity, distracted by the hard things of life, or wandering off into the distractions and the pursuits and pleasures and success and happiness of this world and shirking the kingdom responsibility, it chooses to repent and it turns back to the kingdom's pursuits. Jesus is the ultimate example of good soil. Jesus said, I can do nothing on my own as I hear I judge, and my judgment is just because I seek not my own, but the will of him who sent me. Jesus heard the Father. He accepted the Father's will. He held fast with an honest and good heart, and so was not distracted by the trials and pleasures of this world. Jesus shows us the beauty of a noble life. Says, have this mind among yourselves, which is in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Also, Jesus is also the inspiration and the power that makes us fruitful. Jesus said, I am the vine and you are the branches. And when we are attached to Jesus, we bear fruit, God's fruit. Words dwell in us richly. We will abound in fruit. Jesus redeemed me. From the penalty of a sinful and distractive and selfish life. And for my part, I must continually cooperate and practice humbling myself, taking stock, and seeking His will. Would you join me in this? Would you consider taking stock of your life daily or weekly, re examining things? Would you recommit to hearing the word of God and seeking to understand and accept and hold fast to it? If this is a foreign concept to you, if you are hearing me and this is something odd to you because you do not know Jesus, would you consider the life of Jesus? Would you consider reading the book of John and ask God in prayer to give you ears to hear and understanding because he will.
So let's take some time now and pray and humble our hearts before the Lord. Heavenly Father, when we see ourselves as you do, we realize we are not all that we should be, and we thank you so much that you have forgiven us through Christ for that, that you have set us free from our sinful past, uh, delivered us on so that we might do good works for you, so that we might be fruitful, so that your kingdom will be seen by men, your kingdom will grow, your love will be shown to all the earth, we will become mature and faithful. Please help us, Lord, to be humble and see us and see our actions as you do. Please give us ears to hear, eyes to see, so that we might have a fruitful life in this world. We ask this and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, the ushers will be coming to uh, take you out from the back rows. Uh, may the Lord bless you this week. May he point out things that he wants to weed in your life. May you be able to hear what he is after. And may you grow in fullness of fruitfulness. I pray this in Jesus' name.